Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. I want to welcome you to Carol's. This is week two of a three-week series. Um, it's, we're taking the, some of the most famous Christmas carols, three of them, and each week I'm teaching a message out of the carols. And this week is Oh Holy Night. And uh, this is an incredible Christmas carol. It has one of the most interesting histories out of any of the Christmas carols. It was written by Placide Capot. Placide was a French wine merchant, and he was also a poet. They also say he was a hellraiser, and he was not a Christian. He wrote the song. And what happened is a Catholic priest came to him and said, hey, read the Christmas story out of Luke 2, and I want you to read it, and then I want you to write a poem. So Placide read the Christmas story, and he wrote the poem, O Holy Night. Placide had a friend that was a musician, and he asked his friend who was a musician, put this to words. And he put it to words, and they gave it to the priest, and it became one of the most famous songs of a day, its day. It went viral. And uh, today when something goes viral, we know we're talking about the Internet and millions of hits. It wasn't that, but it went viral all through Europe. People went crazy over this song. Then it came out that it was written by a guy that wasn't even a Christian, and everybody got upset, or a few people did, I should say. They began to complain, and guess what happened? The song went even more viral. And here's, here's, here's what I know. It's not who wrote it. It's whether or not it has the scriptures in it. Because the Bible says of itself, the word of God is alive, and when you hear it, it changes lives. And this song is so powerful because it comes from the scriptures that comes from the Christmas story. So I want you to enjoy this version of O Holy Night.
I do believe. Go ahead and give it up. I, I do believe Placide was touched by the hand of God when he wrote that. It's powerful, powerful. You know, the Holy Spirit was involved there. You know, when I think of that holy night, I think of Mary. Mary was a teenager, and God came to her and said, you know what, you're going to give birth to, to the Lord, the Savior of the world. And she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And when she was in her ninth month of pregnancy, she had to travel to her hometown of Bethlehem. Rome, the Roman Empire decided to do a census. And of course, it was all directed by God. But she had, to, she had to ride on a donkey in her ninth month for about 100 miles. Can you imagine that? It's crazy. And then she arrived in Bethlehem, and there were no hotels that had openings. So somebody told her, there's a manger, you can go in the manger. Historians tell us the manger was actually a cave where farm animals went when the weather was inclement. So here she is in the manger slash the cave, and she's giving birth with all the animals around. I just can't even imagine how this young girl must have felt. Then she gives birth, and all of a sudden she's holding the creator, the king of the world, in her hands. And I stand before you guys, this, I'm not jiving. I am the worst birthing co coach in this room. <laughs> guys, there's no one here worse than I am. So Gina's pregnant with our firstborn, and she goes into labor uh, when the Cavs are playing in April. And I'm watching a Cavs game. <laughs> She's in labor, so I drive her to the hospital, which I wanted to do, and I drive her to the hospital. But we get into the hospital, we put her into, get her into the room, the nurse is getting her into bed, and I see a TV, and I go, they have TV. So I turned the Cavs game on, and Gina's laying in bed in labor, and I'm watching the Cavs game, and I went to birthing classes and all, and, and I'm thinking, this is, won't bother anything. And Gina gave me one of those looks, and wives have different looks, and this particular look, I knew what it meant. What, what she meant when she looked at me was, at what age will you, will, will you grow up to where you have intelligence? When is intelligence coming? <laughs> And so I shut the TV off. So I'm standing at the bed, and, and she's in labor a couple more hours. And my mom calls, so I'm telling my mom how many minutes apart. And I said, here, talk to Gina. And she gave me another look. Like, I don't want to talk to your mom when I'm in labor. But just then she had to grab uh, a, a tray, and, and she had an, an event uh, into the tray. And, and so I told my mom, we'll, we'll, we'll call you later. And uh, so then a couple more hours go by, and I'm hungry. So I said, told the nurse, I'm going to go get something to eat. So I, I go down to... Um, the cafeteria, and I see a deli right next to the cafeteria, so I buy this sandwich, and I come up, I'm standing at the bed eating the sandwich, and I'm telling Gina, this is so good, I can't believe this is hospital food. She gave me another look, which meant get out of my room now, so I went and ate it in the hallway, and so then, 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 a couple more hours ago, and the doctors come in and say, we have to take, we have to take this baby uh, C-section. We believe the baby's in stress. So then Gina goes into surgery. They allow me to stand there, and, and so I'm standing right next to her. She's, she's drugged up, and um, I'll never forget when they pulled Joe Jr. out. I'll never forget the moment, and, and they gave him a bath right in front of me, and then uh, they brought him to my hands, and I'm holding him, and at that moment, I'm like amazed at the miracle of childbirth, and at that moment, I felt a love that I never felt before. And all the parents in this room, you know, you know the love. You just, it's like, whoa, I didn't know I had that much love inside of me. And then months went by and a year goes by and I'm feeling this love for, for my child. And Gina's pregnant again. And I'm thinking, Lord, is, is there any more love in me? I mean, I've never felt this more, much love. 
And, and then I go in again, and, it's, and you know, we had to have a C-section again, and they, they took David out, and I'm holding David, and the same exact love exploded in my heart, and David grew, and months went by, and I'm, I'm thinking, whoa, I, I can love two people at this level? Then, then my wife was pregnant again, and uh, we went in again, and this one's our first daughter, Michelle, and she comes out, everything the same, and I hold her, and I feel exactly the same love, but then I had another feeling. It happens with dads and their daughters. I had another feeling, and all of a sudden, I hated all one- and two-year-old boys. I don't know why, <laughs> um, but, but it happened. It, ha it literally happened. So then Deanna came, our fourth child, and I'm thinking, I love all three the same. Do I have? And, and I held Deanna, and I had exactly the same love, and I was absolutely amazed at the love that you can feel for your kids. And I think about, guys, I think about Mary, she holds Jesus, and she knew from angels this is the Savior of all the, the world, and I just think about what she must have felt at that moment. It had to be incredible, and this part of the song is what comes alive to me, and, and it reads like this. It says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious mourn. Here she is holding the Savior of the world. She has all that love exploding in her, but at the same time, the thrill of hope came. And we're going to talk about hope today. Uh, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what is a, a sick heart, guys? A sick heart is a heart that is sad, that is depressed or oppressed because you lost hope. The last thing God wants in us, any of us to experience is a sick heart, a depressed heart. God doesn't want anyone to be hopeless. And we're going to talk about the thrill of hope. Part of the thrill of hope is Jesus came into the world and what? All of us can receive eternal life and live forever. But you know what else? In her hands, she held the hope for every circumstance and every situation you and I will ever face as Christians. And I think this part's important. The weary world rejoices. Can we all agree that this world can make us really really wary? Oh my goodness, we go through different things and, and life can just keep beating us and knocking us down. And I think about, you know, I pastor the same church for 31 years now and, and you get to know people and you become so close to people and you watch them walk through tragedy. You watch, you watch them walk through relationship breakups, relationship struggles, and, and you see the hope knocked out of them in that area of life. You watch people lose their loved ones and, and all of a sudden, the person they love the most is no longer here, and, and you watch them have to battle the, the, the hurt and the lack of hope. Can I ever have a good life? Can life ever be good again? And I've walked people through the loss of jobs and, and financial stress and strain, and I just watch people be beat down. We live in a world where we don't know if our safety is okay. We, we know the crazy things that are going on overseas, and we know the terrorists and the ISIS and all those things that we see, and you can lose hope. But here's what you and I want to talk about today. We want to talk about how Jesus was born to put hope into all of our lives. And I'm going to share something with you. I call this the umbrella principle for hope. It's the umbrella principle. It's the most important principle. And it goes like this. God planned a positive future for you. It's really important for you and I to know that God planned a future for every one of us, and it's positive. It doesn't mean we're not going to have struggles and go through the storms of life, but, 
God's planned a positive future for us, guys. And I love this quote. This quote comes um, from Augustine, and he said this, God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. You know how I told you the story about Dave came, Michelle came, Deanna came, and I'm like blown away. I love them all the same. Do you know that God loves every single one of us as if we're the only child he has on the earth? And when you understand that, then this statement makes sense. God planned a positive future for you. He planned it for all of us. And there is a scripture that goes with this. It's, it's famous. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11, and it reads like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has plans that he made for all of us to give us a future and a hope. And this verse is also for Christians. You know, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, when you and I accept Christ, every promise ever made in the Bible is for the Christian. And we know there's some that are specific, like the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to give birth to the Savior. How many of us realize we can't claim that verse? It's just not going to work. But, 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 you take a general verse, and, and that verse is for you. There are people that have tattooed this on their arms, on their back. It's amazing where people will tattoo this verse of Scripture because they, they want to remind themselves about how much God loves them. And so God's heart is to give you a future and a hope. Now listen to this. This verse just explodes in you when you understand the circumstances around it. Jeremiah wrote this. He also wrote the book of Lamentations. We're going to read some verses from the book of Lamentations in a moment. But he wrote this. But guess when he wrote it? When he wrote this, Israel uh, was attacked by the Babylonians. They, they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They killed, they killed half the Jews. And then they took the ones that were alive. They took them captive to Babylon and made them slaves. So I want you to, I want you to just think about this for a minute. It's It's crazy. So here's Jeremiah. He just lost loved ones. He had to lose quite a few loved ones. He was just ripped from his city. He was just ripped from his home, as were all the Jewish people that were there. They're all ripped away. They're taken captive to a strange land, and now they're slaves, but they lost their family. Can, can you see how much hurt? I don't know if anyone... I, I mean, how can you experience more hurt than that all at one time? That's absolutely some of the worst things that could ever happen to you. And in the middle of the hurt, he says that God has this positive, po positive plan for you, for a positive future, and for hope. Think about that. But here's, here's something that makes it even come more alive. You ready for this one? It's crazy. Do you know they were taken captive into Babylon because of their disobedience? You know, we're not under the old covenant, and I always say I'm so glad I'm not under the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. But in the old covenant, Deuteronomy 28 is one place you can find this. The Bible says if they turn their hearts from God and start loving and stop loving and serving God, that God said other nations will come and destroy you and take you captive. And so right now they're under judgment for how they live their life. And I don't know about you, but this blows my mind. Even when they did something wrong, God says, you know what, guys? I wrote these positive plans for you. Isn't that amazing? I have positive plans for you, and I have hope for this incredible future for you. And you know what that does for a guy like me? You know, because sometimes don't you and I end up in places because of our mistakes and 
maybe our sin. It's not that God's judging us, but we blow it, we make mistakes, and boom, here we are in a situation. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're in a situation just because the storms of life beat you up or you're in a situation because you made a mistake. You know what God says? I have these positive plans for you, and I want to turn your life around, and I want to give you a future with hope. And I want to ask you a question. Is that something we can say thank you, God, for? Can we just take a moment and thank God? That's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. God does that? Whoa. So, so the same situation. Listen to Lamentations 3.20. Jeremiah writes this. I will never forget this awful time. Now we know what time he's talking about. As I grieve over my loss. We know the loss we're talking about. But verse 21, he says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Something produced hope in his life. And you know what? He goes on in the verses to follow. He shares three principles that will bring hope in every one of our lives. So that's where I want to go today. Uh, we have our umbrella, man, and we know God has planned this positive future for us because he loves us as if we're the only ones. But now let's take a look at these three principles. And here's the first one. Hope comes when we know God's mercies are new every day. That, that's incredible. You know, I love the grace of God. The grace of God, I like to call the grace of God God's ability that supersedes our ability. So how many of us can agree none of us could save ourselves from our sins? And what's God's grace? He sent his son, right? He, he, he saved us by his ability. Now, mercy's totally different. Mercy is God giving us a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a 20th chance. That's mercy. God's saying, okay, you blew it. My plans are still positive. My plans haven't changed. I still have this future of hope for you. And listen, listen to what he says in Lamentations 3.22. This is the very next verse. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So every time you wake up, you can know this. I don't care what you did the day before. You can begin to follow God and go after God. And God's mercy is brand new for you. I believe that's why Psalm 30 and verse 5 say this. Listen to this. Weepy may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. I heard a story a while back, and when I was preparing these notes, I remembered the story. It has to do with vice president of sales for a company. This guy's the VP of sales. He hires a salesman, puts him through this elaborate training, and the salesman goes off on his own. He's not there even a year, and guess what he does? He loses a $1 million a year count. So the VP of sales, is, is, he's very upset. So he goes to the CEO he says, I want to fire this guy. He just lost us a million dollar a year customer. And here's what the CEO said. And I believe God thinks like the CEO. You know what the CEO said? He said, you know what? I just spent a million dollars on his education. I don't want to let him go now. And I really believe when you and I make mistakes, God doesn't want to slap us and kick us out. God's saying, you know what? They learned something now that's going to change their lives. And here's what God says. I'm going to give them a new set of mercies this morning. And every morning you and I work, walk, wake up, God's mercies are brand new. And I need that. I need to know that. Now listen to this. Here, here's the second point, guys. It's pretty cool too. It goes like this. Hope comes when we know God rewards those that seek him. This is important because even when we're in the worst time in our life, if you just say, God, I want to quit. God, I'm really upset. God, I don't understand, but I'm going to keep seeking you. Do you know what God does? Man, God will put hope into your heart. God says, I'm going to come through for you. Listen to Lamentations 3, 24, 25. The, the very next verses, they say this. I say to myself, 
The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. And he's letting us know, you know what? No matter what's going on in your life, if you make a decision, Lord, I'm going to seek out your will. I'm going to find out in the Bible what to do. I'm going to pray and ask you what to do. Here's what God says. I will always be good to you. Isn't that a pretty cool promise, guys? I believe it's the same as Hebrews 11:6. It reads like this. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. That's what we do when we accept Jesus. We say we believe you exist. We accept Christ. Listen to the latter part and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Here's what I've learned. There were times when I've been, do I, I'm dog paddling to keep my head above the waters of life. I want to quit. I want to walk away. I want to be bitter. And here's what I learned. In those times, I say, God, I give you my feelings. I, I don't know what to do with them, but I'm giving them to you. I don't feel real good right now. I want to leave right now. I want to quit right now. But Lord, I'm giving these to you. And here's all I can do. I only have strength to do this, Jesus. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to find out what you have to say. I'm going to pray. And Lord, that's all I'm going to do. And you know the promise God makes to you? He says, I will do good in your life. And if you understand that, hope just springs out. And that's what Jeremiah is saying to the Jewish people. He's saying, guys, we're really in a bad spot, but let's keep seeking God. Because if you seek God, good's going to come to you as you seek God. Here's point number three, and I really have had a problem over the years with this. It reads like this. Hope comes when we know God doesn't work on our time clock. Do we have in this room any other control freaks, or am I just the only one? I struggle with this area of my life, and, and uh, we just, you know, we hosted the holidays on Thanksgiving. We had 34 people come over for Thanksgiving Day, and so I'm helping out, and my kids are laughing at me. At the end of the day, they all laugh. My wife's laughing at me because they said, Dad, you're a control freak. Because uh, I'm, I'm telling them, they pull up on the drive and they leave three feet between their car and the next car. So I'm saying, go move your car and go up three more feet. And they're like, who cares? And I'm going, well, we got to get more cars on the drive. And, and then I'm telling them, do this dish this way and do that this way. And this has to be this way. And, and, and I'm doing it nice, but I'm a complete control, control freak as I do it. And I have struggled with this because, in my opinion, God just isn't quick enough. Um, <laughs> God, if I were God, I'd do things much faster than God does. I really would. And oftentimes I just say, God, come on, come on now. We could do better than this. And, and, uh, and, and then I have to realize God doesn't work on my time clock. He doesn't work on our time clock. And, and that's why this next verse, he, he ends it up with this, Lamentations 3.26, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And I love what Isaiah 40 talks about. It says, those that wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Waiting on the Lord means we just keep trusting God even though it's not on our time clock. And I want to encourage you today that no matter what's going on in your life, a hope killer is when we try to put God on our time clock. Let's not put him on our time clock. Let's allow God to be God. Let's allow God to do what God does in his timing. But let's stay faithful. Let's keep believing him. Let's keep thanking him. Let's keep seeking him. And let's allow hope to stay alive. Because as soon as you try to say, God, if you, if you don't do it soon, uh, you know, you're not God or, or my life's not going to be good. Just say, no, no, no. And you know what I notice with God? Sometimes he allows things to take a little longer because he wants to build our muscles. I, I, I never enjoy those times, but can we all agree they do us good? It does us good to build our muscles up. And that's the God 
that we serve. And when we understand that, it changes anything. And I want to deal with one more thing, guys, because I've walked people through this for, for lots of years. Sometimes we pray and our prayers aren't answered. Sometimes somebody we love prays and their prayers aren't answered. And I just want to talk to you about this because you know what, what matters to God? That you prayed. <laughs> That's what matters to God. And I want to read you something out of Hebrews and, and it, it reads like this. Here's, here's the heading. God rewards us even if our faith doesn't seem to work. And it reads like this, Hebrews eleven thirty nine. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Hebrews 11 is all about all these people that did crazy, cool things with faith. They prayed and believed God. That's what faith is. And, and crazy things happen. Good things happen. But then I love this part. This part we so often don't read. You know, some of them didn't receive what they prayed for. Some of them didn't receive promises. You know what the Bible declares to us? What matters to God is that we prayed, that we believed him. And sometimes when I'm consoling people that lose a loved one or they have some kind of problem in their life, the marriage breaks up and they, they prayed their heart up that, out that it wouldn't, I just look at them and say, you know what? I, I can't explain to you. We'll never know till we get to heaven why some things are the way they are. But here's what I do know. You're going to be rewarded in heaven because you prayed, because you stood your ground. Those people are going to be rewarded in heaven because they prayed, they stood their ground. And it really brings hope to my heart to know, you know what? If I don't win here, I win up there. Because when we get up there, we win, guys. And I can't put it on God's time clock, man. Let's give him a hand. That, that makes me feel good. I can't put it on my time clock, but if I allow it on God's time clock, hope just springs up. And, and I love that thought. We always win no matter what. Guys, let's bow our heads. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I have done my best to teach the Bible in this area. And Lord, here's my prayer. Many of us came in different areas of our life. We, we're hopeless. Other areas were fine, but we have some areas where we've given up or we've lost hope. And Lord, sometimes we know... We just need to let that area go. It's not even what you want us to pursue. But other times, Lord, it is what you want us to pursue. And we ask you to make that real to us. But Lord, I ask you to cause hope to spring up in each and every one of our hearts. We thank you that you love us as if we're the only ones. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you that if we seek you, Lord, you reward us. Thank you. And Lord, we thank you that if we wait on you, you come through. And Lord, I just thank you for this incredible group of people. Let hope spring up in our hearts. And guys, let's stay in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you're not sure of your forever, I want to give you a chance to be sure of your forever, your eternity. You know, the Bible declares that all of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. And that's why God sent Jesus. And, you know, we're, we're dealing with the, the Christmas carol, oh, Oh, holy night, the birth of Jesus, man. Jesus came to save the world. And after he died for the sins of the whole world, here's the message, here's the good news. None of us can save ourselves. None of us are strong enough, good enough. But whoever calls on his name will be saved. Whoever says, Lord, I realize you're the Savior and I receive you as my Savior, he saves our lives. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Here's my question. If you're here today and you can't remember a day when you made it personal and you accepted Christ as your Savior, 
I want to give you that opportunity right now to do so. Listen very carefully. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you to leave your church. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I make a decision today to accept you as Savior and to follow you? If you're here and say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that, but I'm ready today, would you pray with me right now so the miracle can happen in your life like it happened in our lives? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I repent of all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I receive you as Savior, and I make a decision today to follow you. I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.